coming up on today's episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. Family Council. Boy, doesn't that sound dry. Or is it? We went to the experts and asked some challenging questions such as, should parents and children have the same level of say? How do you avoid fights and negativity when discussing problems in family council? Does holding family council guarantee cooperation? And what sorts of things should be discussed in family council and what sorts of things should not? We'll discuss how to teach your children to bring up problems without ruining relationships. We'll also discuss why holding family council relieves stress and tension at home and improves relationships. All this and more, but first, the joke of the day. A man's driving around the outskirts of town when he sees a sign that says, Talking Dog for Sale. He rings the bell and the owner brings the dog over. Do you talk, he asks. Yep, the dog says. After the guy recovers from the shock of hearing a dog talk, he says, Wow, so what's your story? The dog looks up and says, Well, I discovered that I could talk when I was pretty young. I was discovered by the CIA, and soon they had me jetting all over the world, sitting in rooms with spies and world leaders, because no one would figure a dog would be eavesdropping. I was one of the most valuable spies for eight years running. But, you know, the jetting around really tired me out, and I knew I wasn't getting any younger, so I decided to settle down. I did undercover security at the airport, uncovered some incredible dealings, and was awarded a batch of medals. I got married, had a mess of puppies, and now I'm just retired. Well, the guy is amazed. He goes back in and asks the owner what he wants for the dog. Ten dollars, the owner says. Ten dollars, the man replies. This dog is amazing. Why on earth are you selling him for so cheap? The owner says, because that dog's the biggest stinking liar I ever met. He never did any of those things. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. We're your host, Hannah and Fontaine Judd, and you may have noticed there was no podcast last week. That's because we are no longer the proud parents of seven sons and six daughters, but rather we are now the proud parents of eight sons and seven daughters, ranging in age from newborn to college student. Whew. We're both BYU graduates and the creators of Money Pants. Head on over to CaptainMoneyPants.com to learn more about what we do and what we're all about. We believe every person on this planet has been given at least one superpower to help them accomplish their unique mission in life. But the only way to unlock those superpowers is through work ethic. That's when greatness happens. And that's where Money Pants comes in. Money Pants is the complete tool set for cultivating work ethic in all aspects of a person's life. And today's topic is about family counsel and how to perform it and how to hold it. Because we talk about that a lot, Hannah, in our our podcast. Oh, you know, before you start Money Pants, have a family council. When you're assigning jobs, have a family council. When you're going over budgets, have a family council. When you're updating, blah, 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 have a family council. And we never really quite explain what family council is or how to do it. And this is actually going to be, we're going to have to split this into two parts, actually, because it's such a big topic, because... First of all, we kind of have to set up like how to run, like you got to choose your family government and how to run, how, how to run the home, I guess, to begin with. And then once you've kind of decided on that, then you got to understand like why we do the family council and kind of some of the principles there. And so that'll kind of be this podcast. And then the next podcast will be what we're actually going to break down the actual nuts and bolts of holding family council. And we'll do, we'll just do like a, a mock family council, which I think is very helpful. So, so getting into that, let's talk about this. Uh, first of all, I, maybe I should mention, Hannah, I never, <laughs> I never had family council as a kid. That wasn't something I grew up with. That wasn't 
part of my upbringing or my experience as a kid where, you know, I, I know people, some people who are like, because we, we've talked to a bunch of experts in preparation for this. And they're like, well, you just do this and this and this. And I'm like, yeah, but how did oh, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how did you write? Because if you, if you grew up in that environment, it's like, I guess the example would be, you know, asking uh, someone who's never experienced any business. Okay, well, how are you going to do your marketing? You do your marketing. Well, yeah, you just you get, get out there, out there and, you, and you let yeah. people know about your product. Duh. And, but if you've never done make it, make it engaging. You're like, what, oh, wait, what, what? What, what does that mean? How do I? And it's 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 a very foreign concept to somebody who's never done it. But to somebody who's done it their whole lives and grew up with that, they're like, well, duh. So I'm hoping that maybe this will be helpful to to people who like me never had family council didn't know how to run a family council never decided ne- was never exposed to like an idea of a family government or anything like that so well yeah and that's important because we keep saying oh yeah have your family council mm-hmm. and okay what is that what are we talking about there and I, and I need to point out too you know I grew up in three different households I grew up with my father and his wife I grew up with my mother and her husband and I grew up with uh, another couple altogether. I grew up, I, I grew up in three different households, and none of them ever had family council. So I know it's not a, or at least in my experience, it's not a very common thing for families to have family council, or at least in my world, it wasn't a common thing. So that's a good point. So, but we were reading in our actually we weren't reading. Our daughter was reading in her business class about different management styles yeah she's uh, she's taking a, a a high school business class and she's using the book principles of business and she was i was in the car with her and she was telling me about uh, management styles mm-hmm. and which I, I had never studied business but i realized this related well to family council because you can look at a family as a government as a style of government, or it, like when you're holding family council, you can look at it as as if you're a business manager, mm-hmm. and you know you're you've got your employees that you're trying to work together with them and bring out all their talents and abilities. And how are you going to go about managing them? And she was telling me that in her in her textbook, there are two main approaches to management styles. And one's called tactical management, the other's strategic management. And then there's a combination of the two. And so basically, uh, tactical management is where, think of think of a military leader uh, giving orders and, mm. and okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this, go. Now, get it done, let's go. And uh, where everything's very clear, it's very direct, it's, you've got one person in charge, one person calling the shots. Making all the decisions. All yeah. That. But the problem, and it actually works really well in an emergency situation, like in a military situation, that's actually what you need. Mm-hmm. But if you keep managing your business that way, people get burned out and they start feeling like they're not, they have no say in what's going on and mm-hmm. it can start to wear on them. Whereas a strate- strategic management is where you get feedback from your team mm-hmm. and uh, you get their input. And there's a time and a place to use tactical management and strategic management. Now, with with both styles of management, though, the, the manager still makes the final decision. Right. But the difference is, you know, what the situation is, but also the other thing that determines whether you use tactical 
versus strategic management is uh, if the employees, if they're new employees, if they have any experience or education in what decisions being made. Because for example, if a, if a manager is trying to make a, a budget decision, you know, of how to spend their marketing money, they don't pull the janitor, the company janitor in or, or the receptionist in and go, okay, so what do you think we should do with our marketing budget? Because that's not really something that right that they're uh, they have the education or are qualified. And we'll to. Talk, talk about that in a second. But so basically, they're, they're you kind of have to think of your family, and we talk about this, Hannah, where it's a team, or in this case, it, it, it's a it's a business where you're all working together to accomplish a, a specific goal, mm-hmm. and and so you have, but you still have to have somebody in charge, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. Is a lot of times nobody actually takes charge or the person who's in charge doesn't know like where, how to, to, how to make the decisions and involve everybody and get everybody on board. And I really like the idea of mom and dad are like the coaches, or in this case, in the business sense, mom and dad are like the managers. And I think Trixie had a really good point too, along those lines is, you know, a good manager is always bouncing, balancing between tactical management where they issue orders, make all the decisions and then strategic management where they're getting input and feedback and, and trying to figure out how to best move forward and utilize everybody's talents and abilities. And a good manager will, you know, uses both styles and knows when to use them. But at the same time, like you were just saying, you know, they're the ones that make the final decision. And Trixie had a really good point. She's like, because if everybody's a manager, then nobody is. You know, you can't have too many chefs in the kitchen. Like at the end of the day, you have to have somebody make the final decision. And that's where mom and dad come in. That's where like the head coach, like again, even going to like a basketball team or a football team, you've got the head coach and you got other coaches below him, but they're all in charge of different aspects. But the final decision rests with the head coach. And in our situation, we, with money pants families, we say the head coaches are mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about unity here in a minute where it's not just mom and it's not just dad. It's mom and dad. They are the head coach. And if mom and dad aren't unified, nothing happens. And we'll talk about that in a second. But so that's kind of the analogy I like. And I thought that was a really cool idea with the, you know, the, making the analogy between mom and dad being and the family kind of being like running a business. And then similarly, I guess there's basically there are three types of, of family governments. There's the dictatorship which is kind of like the tactical management style where one person makes all the rules, makes all the decisions and tells people what to do. No ifs, ands, or buts. You salute, click your heels and go off and do what the dictator says. That's one family government style. Mom or dad make all the decisions and everybody else just falls in line and does salutes and says, yes, mom, yes, dad. Then there's the kind of the flip side, which is the democratic family government, the, the democracy where everyone gets a vote. Everybody's equal. And, that everyone everyone has a has a say like again everybody's the manager and there are benefits and problems with well, both actually, of those yeah actually democracy does not a pure democracy like think greek democracy that does not it's called majority rule yeah majority rule does not work uh for a family because what if you have one child well you the parents would always overrule the one child but then what if you have four children? Well, the children would always overrule <laughs> the parents, and which it may not be in the best interest of yeah, the, of well, no, what, the what's health the and that, well-being of the family. 
Yeah. So, and we'll talk about that more in a second too. But the, the idea is, you know, the, the, the dictatorship is, you know, one person running the show, but nobody else gets get to say. And so you may overlook, you know, other people's opinions. You may, you may miss out on a lot of great feedback. And then the, the democracy, everyone's considered equal, even though everyone is not equal. Yeah. And I think that's a key. Mom, and who, who, has more, who has more life experience? The five-year-old or the 40-year-old mom and dad? Yeah, and who, 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 who's responsible for what happens? Well, let's fast forward. Let's yeah. say, oh, but now my 15-year-old child is all mature. And it's like, really? So you, your 45-year-old dad, 45-year-old mom, who has more experience? The 15-year-old daughter or the 45-year-old mom? Does, does the daughter really have the same amount of knowledge and understanding and can make those decisions that the, the mom does? No. Are they, are they equal? No. Not in any way. So we're, we're actually kind of against the dictatorship family government and also the democracy family government. They both have strengths, but they also have weaknesses. And we, so the one we suggest, the one we recommend for, our, for using money pants is what we call a benevolent monarchy or a constitutional monarchy where mom and dad know best. They have more experience and knowledge and understanding than their children, but they also listen to what their children have to say and they get input. And, but at the end of the day, the final decision rests with mom and dad. Kind of like in a business situation, the final decision rests with the manager or in a a team sport, the final decision rests with the head coach. And that's, that's the form of government. We call it a benevolent monarchy or a constitutional monarchy. That's what we like. And I really like the constitutional monarchy idea where there are rules and they're set up ahead of time. Everybody knows what they are and they are uh, enforced by mom and dad. But at the same time, mom and dad still have the final say. They have ultimate veto power um, and can decide what's best for the family. So once you've kind of decided on the family government style, and made a deliberate decision as to, okay, our family's good. We're going to run our family like this. And again, you can use the dictator or the democracy, but we're just suggesting that the, the most effective way is to be this some form of a constitutional monarchy or a, or a benevolent monarchy, where a loving king and queen who listen to their subjects. That's kind of the, what, we're, what we're looking for here. Um, and once you've got that set, then we can get into how to hold a family council. Because if, if you haven't decided on that, who's in charge and how you're going to run things, then it doesn't really matter what you do for family council because it'll never be effective. Because anybody could say, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm the one in charge now. And it's just, it won't, it won't work. You have to decide on a family government first. Then you can get into running family council. And we asked a, some experts a whole bunch of questions uh, hard questions on this very topic. And by experts, uh, maybe we should clarify <laughs> who those people are. Uh, well, you did a lot of the talking handed to these to these experts and giving the information. And who who were these who are these so-called experts? They were people who have raised a group of children that I highly respect them. And not necessarily uh, people with PhDs in <laughs> psychology, but maybe PhDs in I've, parenting. Yeah, I've talked to some people who are psychologists and I've I've uh, been less impressed with some of their answers where I'm like, yeah, how would that really work, though? Yeah, we've, we've um, actually tried some of those things that they're espousing and we're like, that doesn't like, work. OK, I'd rather see people talk to people who have actually uh, done right 
done the things that they're they're spouting and uh walk the walk walk to the walk and it's not that they're perfect people with perfect kids it's just i'm like if i if i could be a parent i would want to be like these people mm-hmm. so we gathered gathered information from and we asked them we asked them 13 questions and these are these are some of their responses and here, well here are the, here are our questions first of all uh let's go one what's the purpose of family council two when should you start holding family council Three, how did you come up with an agenda? Number four, what are the benefits? Five, what can you expect? Six, does holding family council guarantee cooperation? That's a good one. Seven, what sorts of things are discussed in family council? Eight, what sorts of things are not discussed in family council? Nine, how do you keep family council positive and productive instead of becoming a big gripe session? Uh, Ten, are there rules to what you can say and how you say it? Eleven, how are things decided? Twelve, what form of government or management style should the family council be like? And 13, should the children in the family have the same level of say as the parents? Why or why not? And we kind of touched on a couple of those already, but we'll get a little more in depth here. So let's go. Let's do uh, number one. What's the purpose of family council? And our experts basically said that the key, the main, the main reason you hold family council is for communication, family unity, preventing problems, having clear rules and consequences in place. You know, that a sense of fairness and a chance for everyone to be heard. Which totally makes sense. You're like, it's a it's a communication tool to get everybody on the same page. And we're all about unity. A good team, go, I love the team analogy, a good team is unified. Everyone's Everyone knows what we're working towards. Like, if you never have family counsel, then, and you never communicate with your family what you're trying to accomplish, then how's anybody ever going to know? And a lot of times parents think, oh, my kids get it, or the kids are clever and smart. The interesting thing about children is they are amazing observers but horrible interpreters. They don't know what things mean. They observe things, but they don't understand what it means. Well, and that's like um, one of the people I interviewed said he really liked uh, a family council because as he would collect feedback from all his children, you know, when a question or issue came up, he would realize that it was like a perfect teaching opportunity where to explain principles or or talk about well what would happen if we did this what would happen if we did that and so part of that communication was a, a really wonderful opportunity to teach mm-hmm. and so so it, it, i i had never thought of it that way that hey wait this is a, an incredible teaching opportunity because you're talking to your kids and you're getting their ideas and their they're throwing their ideas out there and you're collecting them all up. Uh-huh. And it's like this perfect opportunity to, to teach. To clarify their clarify, thought process. Well, no, because yeah. they're observing these things, but they don't know what they mean. Yes. And you're like, this is why we do these things. You, just, but you wouldn't realize that that's what they were thinking if you weren't having this this platform, this, this open discussion. Right. So. so that's number one. Number two, we asked, what are the benefits of holding family council? And here they go. Here we go. When Hannah, when you and I first got married, we tried doing this. And I don't, why did we start doing family council at all? You know, you had served a mission. And when you were on your mission every week, uh, you and your companion would have a meeting together. Mm-hmm. And you really liked that. And it, it, it was kind of your introduction to family council. Where you would, you you would go through your calendar. You would go through all these things with your companion mm-hmm. to plan out your week and stuff. And you're like, I want to do that 
why don't you and I do that? And so even though we didn't have uh, children that we only had infants and toddlers at that point, we started having a, a weekly meeting. And I think we were in North Hollywood at that time. Was that when we started? Yeah, yeah. And what was funny about that is when we had our first family council, you're like, are there any, you know, are there any questions or concerns you'd like to bring up? <laughs> and all of a sudden, this is our first meeting. It like opened up this, I don't know, Pandora's box of, I can't stand this. <laughs> like I was like really upset about a whole bunch of things. And you were kind of like in shock. You're like, I'm perfect. How could you possibly like, see, think such things? Why haven't you said anything? Well, there wasn't a good time. Yeah, well, that's just it. There, there was wasn't. never a good when's time. When's a good time? By the way, honey, it really bothers me when you leave the toilet seat up. Like, when, <laughs> when's a good time to bring that up? Yes. Yeah, so, so anyway, um, it was a bit much that first meeting because a lot of things had built up. Well, no, but what? Here's the deal. When's a good time to bring that up? Oh, when you're thinking about it. When are you thinking about it? When it's irritating you, and it's not the good time to bring it up because you're mad. You're mad. That's not the good. Just so you know, that's not the right time yeah. to bring up concerns when you're angry. That's the worst time to hold family council. That's why you schedule it. You schedule it so you can maybe calm down for 24 hours. and. Well, you also know it's coming up. You're like, oh, this bothers okay, me a lot. I, remember, I need to remember to put that in the family council. Yeah, but agenda. you're able to present it yeah. in a more calm and collected yeah. way. Anyway, so, but we had never had a time scheduled. <laughs> I had no idea. And you were no just kind of like, so why didn't you say something? And they're just... We never had a time set aside to really talk about things. And right. and so, but the good news is that first meeting was a bit much because a lot of things had built up and little frustrations had turned into big frustrations. Well, no, no, no. What's the analogy? You know, you, oh, it's just a pinch of powder. You know, what's the big deal? A pinch of gunpowder. Uh. That's not a big deal. But what happens when you add a pinch of powder and a pinch of powder and a pinch of powder? Pretty soon... You've got a bomb. You've got a bomb. And if you never address those little pinches of powder, gunpowder, it'll build up and eventually it will explode. You know, it'll mm -hmm. get ignited. And all of a sudden you've got a, this huge explosion, this big fight. And so that's one of the one of the benefits. One of the major benefits is irritations don't explode into fights. Yeah. And that's the thing. Is, well, like all, anybody but, who's but ever been married know the fights always, always get sparked by something stupid. Like, and the whole fight is about almost always... About something dumb. Yeah. That could have been resolved if it had just been resolved when it was smaller. What's the term? Nip it in the bud? Yeah. So, so, so what was good about this is even though that first, fam first family council and probably the ones right after it were like a little scary because there were so many issues to, uh -huh. to discuss. It was too many to discuss in one, one meeting, but after that, when we started having it on a regular basis, I remember you turning to me, so, okay, what issue now? Oh, nothing. Wasn't that nice? Remember yeah, that? Yeah, nothing. Remember how cool that was? Where yeah. There was were no pent-up, long-lasting, uh, that, that, that undercurrent of resentment uh -huh. was gone. And, and it was really cool. And it really it helped our relationship oh, a oh. lot. That was just, that was and big. that's just me and my husband. So you can imagine as your family becomes bigger, more complicated. Um, there are more personalities involved. Yeah, you got three um, kids and they never express any of these things. Like, and you have multiple personalities going on in there, you know, the, the three kids plus mom and dad. And yeah. all of a sudden, you're like, this is quite a dynamic team. And 
everyone doesn't feel like they have a say and they're not well, being heard. Yeah, or, or there are these just ongoing frustrations that aren't ever being vocalized exactly. or uh, resolved in any way. So as you can see, for us, it like helped helped our it helped our relationship and it, it kind of uh, de- made things less stressful at home when we would have these meetings because it would take care of problems right away as they came as opposed to letting things build up fester maybe yeah that's and a good, fester yeah no festering a- so it's that's a huge a huge benefit that where it adds that unity and more um uh it helps the relationships in the family by doing this yeah Okay, so that that's that's one of the major benefits, and and we'll talk about others in the future and the next podcast specifically. But as far as like broad strokes, one of the major benefits is irritation. Everyone feels like they have a voice, and they they, they problems get nipped in the bud. Um, and by hold, like you said, Hannah, holding it weekly, you get you know whittle, whittling down the problems till they're basically none. And then I really like this. There was a there was a gentleman named uh, Gordon B. Hinckley who said who told the story about how he had two trees in his yard and one of them started growing crooked. And he's like, Oh, I just, I need to, I need to stake that tree. I need to straighten it out. And he never did. And he, it, it, time passed. And as eventually, you know, by the time he turned around, by the time he got around to working on the tree, it was, it was too late. It was too hard to straighten that tree and it had just grown crooked. And there was nothing he could do about it. Cause now it was, you know, this thick trunk and it was, he was like, dang it. If I had just straightened that tree when it was little, it would have been super easy. I just put a stake in the ground, bend it over, no problem. But by letting it go too long, it ended up being irreversible. Well, so, it was massive surgery on the yeah. tree. And so it was a lot harder to correct. He did correct it. Did but, he? Yeah. I but, thought the story was ended it ended up growing crooked or something. It, well, he, he, it, he, it required a major surgery on the tree. Whereas if he had done it when it was just the sapling, you know, and uh-huh. uh, before it had hardened... It would, it would have been a lot easier. And so, yeah, that that's one of the major benefits. Okay. Number three, when should you start holding family counsel? And this was our expert advice as well. They said, um, our experts said, oh, yeah, start as soon as you get married. And when, make it a habit and part of your your relationship right away. Start, start off your marriage by holding family counsel. That way problems never grow, never get bigger, never get overwhelming and it keeps you keeps you close. And and then we said, "Well, yeah, but what what about with the kids? When do you start including the kids?" And the response kind of surprised me. We said, "When do you include kids in family counsel?" And there were, and our experts told us, "Oh, as soon as they can talk." I'm like, "Wow, okay." So as soon as kids are able to talk and express themselves, they should be involved in the family council process. And I guess that makes sense, you know, because they may have ideas and thoughts and complaints and concerns that need to be addressed. And that, okay, that makes sense. I guess though, I need to kind of clarify because I think most people have like miniature family councils all the time. They're just, it's not formal. Uh, you know, the, around the dinner table, maybe you're talking or like I said, the toilet seat example where, you know, you're upset and you're like, hey, can you please just make sure you put the toilet seat down? That That's basically a miniature family council when you're expressing a concern and trying to resolve it with a family member. But we're suggesting making it more of like a formal affair. So when you have family council, we say, you know, put it on the calendar. 
set a time, let everybody know, you know, weekly is best. Um, if you could hold it every week, that that's ideal. Yeah, because you you can plan the calendar for that week. Yeah. Um, if you're only holding it once a month, you're solving problems, but you're not uh, able to coordinate a calendar. At the very least, you should be holding it monthly, but ideally, it should be every week. And you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like doing finances. You know, the longer you put off having family counsel, the more overwhelming and bulky and it becomes. So, when you should hold family counsel, right when you first get married, include the kids as soon as they can talk, and hold it weekly, and put it on the calendar, make a schedule, make it part of your weekly routine. All right, number four, what can you expect when you're holding family counsel? Well. It's kind of like going to the gym. If you haven't exercised for a while, <laughs> you can have sore muscles and you can't do some of the exercises and you're giving, and you get to be, it's going to be clear what your weaknesses are. <laughs> well, that's, you can expect that when you first start up doing family counsel, or if you used to do family counsel and you're just coming back to it and starting over again and, and renewing that idea, you can expect that there's going to be some weakness there. There's going to, and it's going to be, there's going to be a, a lack of trust among family members. Um, maybe people are unwilling to share some of their thoughts. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable and awkward. And and actually, we're going to talk about uh, how to avoid some of those well, in a minute. Well, it can be uncomfortable and awkward. We went, when we like hit a crisis, uh, unfortunately, instead of sticking to family counsel, we like stopped doing family counsel during that time because we were just so like... I think emotionally overwhelmed, like, yeah. and, and so when we finally did it, when things calmed down and we finally had family counsel again, remember how excited our kids were Yeah, to be like, where they had their list of ideas and things that we should do, or yes. they wanted to change. And they were so excited that we were going to listen to their ideas. So, so it can... It could go either way where you could see like a general enthusiasm of, hey, I get to give input versus if there are bad feelings or something, it may be. They felt um, like they had a voice again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it might go one way or the other. Uh, Okay. Maybe I should rephrase it. It could be, you can expect it could be uncomfortable or awkward, or it could be the most wonderful thing since sliced bread. Yeah. You could also expect there once you start holding family counsel, there will be less anger about consequences for rule breaking because when you have family counsel, you discuss these rules ahead of time. And when there, when a rule gets broken, everyone in the family will go, well, hey, you know, you can tell your kids you were there, you agreed to these terms, you had your say, you had the opportunity to express your concerns. And, and this is what we all decided on, you know, as, as our family and as our team and and hopefully, ideally, the kids, if they have that voice and they feel like they've been heard, when the consequences happen that are negative, they'll be like, yeah, okay, I did agree to that. And I know that's right. And we talked about it in family council. And yeah, right. I'm not just getting picked on because sometimes right. the perception is, wow, you don't like me or, right. you know, if you're pulling out consequences at the moment, they can feel like, it's an assault on the relationship between you and them. Whereas if this is something you talked about calmly in family council, wrote down, have in a book somewhere, 
you're like, oh, no, this is what happens. And we're going to talk about that, too. Yeah, yeah. So so where there's a less strain on the relationship between you and your That's children just a, as the fam- manager. Family counsel really helps with the family relationships. The relationship between mom and dad, but also the relationship between mom and dad and the kids. And then the relationship between the kids and the other kids. Like, yeah. it just it it, helps it everybody. mutual respect, I think. And, and, and unity. And unity. Yeah. So I really like that. So that's what you can expect. Number five, does holding family counsel guarantee cooperation? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. If you <laughs> hold family counsel, everyone will be perfect and your home will be this little haven of perfection. <laughs> no, okay. no, heavens no. Okay. That's the biggest crock of poop I've ever heard. No, but we um, hear that from people like, if you do this, your children will do this. And no, you're like, no? That, that's not. No, we're talking about best case scenario. If you hold family counsel, it increases the odds in your favor. It increases the possibility and the probability of things going well. But heavens, no, it doesn't guarantee anything. <laughs> well, well, think about a well-run business. Does a well-run business ever have people embezzle money? Does a well-run business ever have employees not getting along? Does a well-run business... Well, yeah, if they're well-run, they're less likely to have have certain problems. Well, let's put it this way. If there is a problem, it's not going to be ongoing and long-term. There will be problems, but if a well-run business will be able to address those problems and deal with those problems Granted, as they arise. Granted, well-run businesses can fire people. Wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best. So, uh, so wait. <laughs> well, no. But what my point is, though, is a well-run business is able, though, to anticipate problems and also deal with problems as they come, so that they don't become huge and overwhelming and and take the business down. Yeah. Well, and I families mean, are the same way. Well, you look at if you're going to compare it to like a form of government. Think about is there any government in the world, or has there ever been any government in the world where? Wow, their method for governing, they don't have any criminals. No. Nobody ever break nobody ever breaks the laws in that country because the the way they handle problems, nobody wants to break the laws. Doesn't exist. It, that doesn't exist. Because and so, people well, no, and that's just it. There's this fundamental concept called agency or free will or whatever you want to call it. What's the movie Bruce Almighty? where God gives Bruce his, his powers for a day or a week or whatever it is, and, and Bruce wants to make this one girl love him, and he can't because he can't interfere with her free will. Her, he can't make her do anything. And it's that, that whole concept of that there's free will. You, children are still people, and if you've had more than one, you know, maybe if you've only had one, I don't know, but if you've had more than one or two kids, you realize real quickly, oh, wait, they're people too and they have their own minds and they make their own decisions and they they make their own choices and so this whole idea that you know if you talk to your kids or tell them what to do that blah 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 this will happen it's like no it's <laughs> well i've had I've, I've heard people tell me oh well i don't i don't make rules for my kids because rules will make your kids rebel and it's like um are you like, are you serious? You're living in a fantasy world. <laughs> um, well, I don't make rules for my children, so that way they won't ever break them. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, that, it, that, that makes it, so that much sense. That mentality, like, that, what, that's not, the rule isn't the problem. It's not the thing causing 
the problem. Yeah, they've, got, they've got a little backwards. Yeah, and so rules don't make people want to break them. That's not how it works. Rules. Yeah. The whole idea is rules are like you know the, the string on the kite. You know, people are like oh these rules are keeping me down. Well, what happens if you if you cut that string? The kite doesn't fly higher. The kite comes crashing to the ground. The reason you have rules is so everybody can soar to their to the highest height. That's why you have them. Anyway. And well, and then uh, uh, another issue, I once talked to a psychologist and it was the most frustrating conversation I think I've ever had where he had it in his mind that if you had your children participate in making rules, they would never break those rules. They you would have this cooperation. And and it, 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 in his mind, that was if if you had a teenager rebel or give you any problems, it was because you didn't talk to them enough. Mm-hmm. And and it's like that's you a know, bunch of hooey. That is hooey. Uh, but but well, no, there are we, we know great parents, truly great people, who have rebellious kids who have lousy kids, whose kids made horrible choices. And vice versa. We know we some know, lousy we parents. We know some lousy parents. Kids. The kids are great. So yeah. you, you can't tell me, and I'm, I'm sure everybody listening would would agree, they know pe- great people who have lousy kids, and lousy people who have great kids. It's because everybody has agency. So this idea that if you if you talk to your kids, if you, if, if you press these buttons, your kids will respond this way, it's not true. Yeah. It's, well, and a lot of people think that owning a dog is the same as owning children. <laughs> no. And, and so you're like... You can train a dog, you can train a child. Nope. No. Not the same. It's not the same. Now, They're, I will say this, though. If you have family counsel, and if you love your children, if you do all these things and do your best to communicate with them and express love and have consequences and, and do so in a spirit of love and understanding and listen and blah, 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 you're more likely to have kids that make good choices or at least come around later in the future but there are no guarantees <laughs> so the question the answer to question number five does holding family council guarantee cooperation it's a resounding no but it increases the chance increases the odds okay Here we go number six what sorts of things are discussed in family council well here's the cool thing anything that the family needs should be discussed in family council. Anything that the family needs to, for the home to run smoothly. So this could be job assignments or problems in the home, problems outside the home, upcoming major decisions, plans for vacations or projects, and then also, of course, the calendar. The calendar for the week, especially with you know teenagers and sporting events and doctor appointments and everything going on in these people's, everybody's busy lives. It's critical when multiple people are going multiple directions at, at multiple times of the day, you got to coordinate. Who's going to go where and when? And granted, you know, we have an, a larger than normal family. But even if you only had three kids and each one of them had soccer practice at a different time in a different location and mom has a PTA meeting and dad has his Kiwanis meeting and then there's the church assignments, like you got to be able to coordinate all those different things, people being different places and all that. So it's really helpful to have it decreases that. stress. Yeah, it really does. And it, frustration, because otherwise the whole week you, you end up running around in emergency mode. Yeah. Oh, mom, I got to go here right now. I need a ride. I, no parents ever had that happen before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So those are the things you want to discuss in family council, pretty much anything pertaining to the family. Uh, number seven, what sorts of things are not discussed in family council? Um, this was a good question. I think... Uh, one of the one of our experts told us that you know when there are personal problems, 
If it involves just one person, that should be kept private. Where if, you know, my son comes to me and says, hey, dad, I'm having a problem at, at football because the guys keep offering me drugs and I've actually taken a few and I don't want to do that anymore, but I don't know what to do. Like, that's a personal problem. That doesn't involve the whole family. And so that should stay private just between mom and dad and the son or dad and the I'm son. I'm having a problem with yeah. pornography or, Or yeah, know. I've got an addiction to pornography or I've started online gambling and I don't, I'm, I, or I've got this girlfriend and she keeps pressuring me to do x y and z like these are the sorts of things where you 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 want to keep those private because those don't involve the whole family and if they the whole family knew it may embarrass the person or cause them to to close off and you won't get any further uh help for them and then they feel isolated and that's the opposite of what we want we don't want any family member to feel ostracized or or yeah uh, isolated now now um the same person though he said after a while though you may want to talk to that person and say hey i i think i'll leave this to your what you're comfortable with but maybe it's time to involve the rest of the family right and get their support as well well for um, example let's go to the the online gambling or pornography and you know johnny's got this problem and he wants to stop and say hey you know what if it's all right with you johnny i know your two sisters and your younger brother they all they want to support you in this and so if it's all right, I'm going to share with them this and ask for their support and, you know, keep an eye or out for you. Or you can share it. Or you can share you it can with them. share it. So in it's fa- coming from In you. family council. And um, then so Johnny gets up and says, hey, you know what, guys, I've got this problem. I want to stop. I don't want this anymore. Um, I would really like your help making sure that I'm off the computer at such and such a time. Or just, you know, make sure that I, I don't take the computer into this room or, you know, just... Kind of keep an eye out for me. Can you, I need your help. I need your support in this. And at, what would that do to the unity in the family? How cool is that? You know, where you're, you know, you're like, oh, my brother needs my help. And I'm there for him because you love him and you want what's best for him. And you're, you're trying to help him overcome a problem and deal with a problem. Yeah. I, and well, and the, the person, uh, the one person who uh, we were, who brought that up that you might want to eventually share with the whole family. He said, also, sometimes maybe somebody made a wrong choice that was embarrassing. Maybe they got caught shoplifting Mm. or, um, you know, did, did something wrong. And you might, you might also say to them, Hey, I think your brothers and sisters need to hear it from you as opposed to hearing it from someone outside our family. Right. And so they need to, understand this first and we need to talk about it as a family before you know uh, the the gossip comes around or or something like that i think it would be better if they heard it from you first right uh so so that that you kind of have to deal with that one basically private personal issues should not come to the knowledge of the family unless it's going to affect the family or the family needs to help out in some way so, yeah, and it should always have the try to have the permission of the person that it involves. Right. Now, there are occasions where, for instance, if somebody gets put to jail or something, you're going to have to tell the whole family, say, you know what, unfortunately, so-and-so got arrested and they're in jail, just so you guys know. <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah, how are, are we going to handle this? Gonna, just, yeah, okay. okay. So, number eight, how do you keep family counsel positive and productive? Well, first of all, you want to set any issues on the table to discuss them as an item, and then you follow the FAB formula. I feel about because 
And I want to kind of break that down. Yeah, uh, well, actually, this is really important because when we, f- I know when you and I first had family council, I kind of felt like if I brought up problems, I, um, I was just going to hurt hurt our relationship and hurt feelings. Right. Sure. And it was going to be a bad thing, and I'd be a bad person for bringing up. These yeah, because problems. you're bringing up something. Problems are bad. Problems are bad. And if you and bring so, up bad things, you're going to hurt the relationship, and you're a bad person. Yeah, and that's how I felt, and and so that's part of the reason where my husband was like, "Oh, I had no idea you felt that, you know, you were upset about these things." Is I would just kind of keep keep the problems in because I I didn't want to hurt the relationship, but I didn't know how to talk about the problems. And that's just it. Well, you need to reframe it where you're not bringing up problems; you're coming up with solutions. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Are solutions good? Yeah. Yeah. So and it helps the relationship get better. So you're you're not bringing up problems, you're improving the relationship and resolving problems. So it's just kind of a reframing there. But I want to talk about that just so the and we'll do this more when we talk about actually when you hold the family council, but I want to just explain a little bit what I mean when I say, you know, just set the items on the table when you to avoid uh, arguments and to and, and to make sure that the the family council is positive and productive, you want to take the problems and like almost set it on the table for everybody to discuss the problem. So it's not finger pointing and oh I'm mad at you and this and that. It's no, we're discussing this problem here. You you set the problem on the table in front of you, and so everybody's focusing on the problem, not on the, not on the people, and that goes a long way to mitigating any sort of feelings of, of anger or frustration or whatever. And that, that's a cool tool. And then also, you know, using the fab formula. Well, I feel upset about you leaving the toilet seat up because when I go to use the bathroom in the middle of the night and it's dark, I end up falling into the toilet. I don't like that. <laughs> so use the, the, use the fab formula. And it, that really helps where it's no longer, I think you're a jerk. It's, I have a problem with, your action. I have a problem falling into the toilet in the middle of the, the night. Exactly. So, <laughs> number nine, are there rules to what you can say and how you say it? Uh, yeah. And we kind of just talked about that where no finger pointing. I hate you. You're a jerk. There is no name calling. Um, but in our family, we kind of came up with a rule too is that you can't bring up a problem unless you have come up with an adequate solution, meaning and, uh, yeah, otherwise it, it becomes a gripe session. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that there won't be better solutions presented. Right, but you have, if you have a problem, you better use your little brain to come up with at least some solution. You, for every one problem you bring up, you have to have at least one solution. Yeah. And, that, and that really helps because it makes you, first of all, if you can't come up with a solution or aren't willing to come up with a solution, then maybe it's not that big of a problem. But also... Uh, going back to you got make sure you use the fab formula discuss the problem not the person um because you're not resolving a person you're resolving the problem what, what do you mean by that like can you give an example like of how a problem you could frame it as being the person the problem versus well yeah going back problem. to the going back to leaving the toilet seat up or squeezing the tube okay toothpaste from the middle man you tick me off you, every time you leave the toilet seat up i really don't like you See how that's a personal attack, mm-hmm. and you're just doing it to tease okay, me. Okay, okay. The kids and, and going. So, and the kids are late are to so school. You are so inconsiderate. You are so. The kids keep being late to school. There's uh-huh. three of them catching a ride. One of them is always dragging their heels, and then it causes all this stress. Okay. 
So how would you bring that up wrong and how would you bring that up correctly? So our three high school kids, they catch a ride together Uh and in the morning it's really stressful because one of them is never ready on time. Got it. And so then they're panicking going to school each morning and the other kids woke up earlier and the other person wakes up five minutes before it's time to leave. Well, here's the deal. First of all, we want ownership of the problem. So who... Let's say I'm getting stressed out about getting being late to school. We have three kids, right? Mm-hmm. One of them is causing the other two to be late. Yeah. And so we're going to do Tia, Caleb, and Trixie. We'll call. We'll say that those three. Okay. And let's just say, for the sake of argument, Tia is the one always late, and Caleb and Trixie are getting frustrated. And Trixie's the most frustrated. Let's say that. And, and I don't. This isn't actually. This a reality. isn't a this real is, situation. This is just for example. And Trixie's the one getting so frustrated. And so she brings it up in family council. Well, first of all, the way it would work is she would have to be the one. She needs to take ownership of the problem. That's that's for starters. Meaning she's the one that's going to bring it up and say, hey, I, I feel, feel stressed frustrated, out. stressed out. Every morning. Because I'm late for I'm late for school. And it's frustrating me. It's really stressing me out. Um, and I'm getting marked tardy in my class. Or I'm not getting situated before class starts or whatever the reason and but because this is trixie's problem she because we request that she come up with a solution that causes her to take ownership and go okay i have this problem i suggest that we take separate cars all of a sudden now she's come up with a solution and she's proactive as opposed to being a gripe session because here's the alternative she comes into the meeting and says mom and dad i hate tia she always makes me late. Well, that's not productive at uh, all. Excuse how's, me? How's that going to help anything? Yeah. Now you've got this animosity between Tia and Tri- Tia's getting offended. She's like, why, why do you hate me? I don't care if I'm late or not. I don't like school. Or it doesn't matter if I'm late because the first period is my slush period or whatever. So if you if you approach it on a personal level of attacking, it makes everybody upset. So instead, Trixie needs to go, uh, find out what the the root of the problem is. And by vocalizing it and coming up with possible solutions, it actually typically tends to lead, lend to, towards the root of the problem, which is I am worried about getting a bad grade in my class. And it, it's going to affect my, my college prospects because if I get too many tardies, it lowers my grade or I miss critical instruction time or whatever. And all of a sudden now Tia, who didn't care before, goes, oh, I had no idea that was the problem. Yeah. And I don't have that because I don't have the same classes. Right, right. Where she wasn't um, seeing Trixie's perspective. Right. But if you, but if going back to if it becomes a personal attack and I hate you because you always make me late, Tia does it. It's a personal attack. She goes on the defensive, shuts down, doesn't want to hear anymore, and still doesn't know what the real problem is other than Trixie doesn't like me. So see the difference? Where you really want to take that problem and set it on the table and let's discuss the problem, not the person. Okay. So, okay. Okay. And I can see how her saying, I'm feeling this way and where all of a sudden it's about her and her feelings, not I hate you. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling stressed out. About being late. Being late. Because. Because. And it helps Trixie make sure that she's kind of 
solidified her thoughts on this process or on this. And, and I need as well. I need help with this. this and by and making her for help and yeah. making her come up with at least one viable solution helps her solidify and kind of coalesce her thought process. It, as but well. it's also like asking for help with a problem I have instead of saying you did this to me. Oh, and that's a that's a trick they use too, oh. where um, um, problem solvers they they say hey, and I, I've seen this too, where they go hey, they come up to somebody and say I got a problem. I was hoping you could help me. Well, right away, it's disarming where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, what can I what can I do? What can I do to help? Well, um, I'm I'm get, I'm late to my classes and it's I'm always getting frustrated because it's, it's affecting my grade. And I was wondering if you could help me because uh, to get to school on time, maybe set your alarm five minutes earlier so we can so we can make sure that we're we're to school on time. And all of a sudden, it's like, can you help me with this versus I hate you and you're a jerk. <laughs> see the see the difference. And how much more effective that is. So that's how you keep family council positive and productive. You make it about the issues, not about the people. And that's how you also don't feel guilty bringing up problems like you're destroying relationships um, is by following that little fab formula. Yep. And and so that's number nine. Are there rules to what you can say and how you can say it? Yes, there are. And those are it. Um, No name calling, no griping, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Number 10. How are things decided? Well, we kind of talked about this. Mom and dad are the king and queen or the head coaches or whatever analogy you want to use where um, they have the final say. But before that happens, you need to go around the room and allow everyone to give input or at least the people who are interested. Okay. This is one of my favorite things that I uh, I gleaned from our, our interviewing other mm-hmm. people. Parents are the last people to talk mm-hmm. to give their input and the reason why is because if you're the the parent and you're in charge and you say i think we should do this it's not inviting other people people are gonna be like okay yeah they're in charge that's what we're gonna do and they don't feel like you know they, they feel like it, maybe they're going against the parents or mm-hmm. uh, they're not going to be as willing to share their thoughts if the parents are the ones who oh, who sure. throw out their opinion first because then they'll be like okay i'm just going to look stupid if i say something against them or i'll look you know i don't want to go against mom and dad or cause a problem there and so you won't actually have a discussion and so one when and uh, this person had learned this in a um, from managing church church meetings, church councils. Um, had had learned this technique of no, you um, first collect everybody's opinion before giving your giving your own as the leader. Right. Um, and and what's interesting is when you do that, a lot of times he said, as you listen to all the input, your perspective as the leader changes. You get inspiration or ideas uh, that you weren't expecting. Well, no, that's the cool thing about getting all the different input. Yeah. Is maybe you get ideas that you hadn't considered. Yeah. But if you you talk first, that won't happen. Mm. And so... Because you're the authority and nobody wants to go against the authority. Yes. And Uh. I nobody had ever said that to... Like, I didn't know that because I'm the type of person, you know... I, I form opinions and I, I put it out there. And if I'm I'm leading it, I yeah, of course I'm going to say what I think. I wouldn't have thought, oh no, I've got to save mine for last. I still have mine, but I need to save it for last. 
in order to unify my team and to to actually get input, valuable That's input. Great. I love that. And so how are things decided? Make sure everybody who has an opinion or a thought on the topic has been given the opportunity to speak. And then you listen as a mom and dad, and then you make and you could, if you wanted to, you could have everybody vote or whatever. But then at the end, mom and dad have the last word. Everybody's had their chance to say something. Maybe you've changed your mind as a mom or dad, but then you make the final decision. And and that works really well. So that's that's how things are decided. And we'll talk again. We're going to talk about more this more in our next podcast about uh, the, the the nuts and bolts of what to do. But basically, you make the decision, you write it down, make sure yeah, everybody knows. You make the decision, you, you ask if there are any more concerns, and you try to resolve it as best you can. Now, you may still end up with one person saying, well... I, you know, I think we should be able to stay up all night long, you know, eating and chocolate cake, eating chocolate cake. And, but you can discuss it, resolve it, go, okay, why don't we have chocolate cake at this time? And, you know, try to, we're going to make chocolate cake a weekly dessert oh. on Friday evenings after dinner. Yeah. That's what we've decided. And we're not, um, I appreciate your thoughts on having it every day. Does that sound, you know, but I think we're going to, I like that idea, but we're just going to tone it back a little bit. And it'll be Friday nights at eight o'clock, and you can have as much as you want, or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. Where where you 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 try to take make sure they feel like they've been heard. Yeah, and that's critical because if you do that, then at future meetings they're also more willing to express ideas and, and thoughts and stuff. Otherwise, if you don't and you dismiss people or don't give them a chance to speak or make your decision before, then they don't feel like they're heard and they won't be willing to express ideas. And you may miss out on some great insights, Hannah. Some of our our kids have given us some great ideas and improved our the way we've run the home immensely by yeah. us listening to them. <laughs> Matter of fact, one of our children's been on the podcast where she shared her ideas and we're like, oh, that's really good. And we'll go to them and we'll say, hey, what, what do, you do you think, think? about this? It's awesome. Okay. Uh, um, what was I going to say? Obviously, everybody's expressing their opinions. You're not going to, the final decision isn't going to be what, it's not going to appease everybody. It's not going to appease everybody's idea. Right. You know, you, you had 10 different ideas or, you know, uh -huh. four different ideas. Mm -hmm. Ultimately you have to make a decision, but the fact that you're listening to everybody, taking it all in, kind of trying to pull the best from it, it be considerate to everyone, but pull the best. And the, the thing is, is that you're listening right. before making the final decision. Whereas if you were a dictator, you would just make the final decision without getting any input. Right. But it doesn't mean that you have to implement everybody's input. No, but they do need to be heard. But they do need to be heard. So, all right. And then these last three, number 11, number 12, and number 13, we kind of touched on, so I'll just go over these quickly. Number 11, what form of government or management style should family council be like? And we talked about that, where it should really be the benevolent monarchy or the uh, constitutional monarchy, where mom and dad are king and queen, they run the home, they make the final decision. It should not be a democracy. And this is why. The parents have the responsibility yeah, legally uh, and <laughs> legally and otherwise to run the home and to make the decisions. If the kids are running the home, that, that that's an abdication of the responsibility of the parents 
and it could end up real bad. You know, kids are like, well, we vote that we shouldn't have bedtime and we shouldn't have to wear clothes and we should eat whatever we want and it should be chocolate cake three meals a day and next thing you know the kids are sick and in the hospital and cps is over there and like your kids run around naked down the street at three in the morning you know and all of a sudden <laughs> that doesn't end well so it's not a democracy um you know parent and that's just it and we talked about this parents and children are not equal yes they have equal value as human beings, but they don't have equal experience. They don't have equal education. They don't even have, as a five-year-old little girl, have the same strength as her 40-year-old dad? No, she can't lift the things he can do. She can't reach the things he can reach. She can't, she doesn't have the earning power or the, the mental capacity. Like, they are not equal in ability. They're equal in value. They're both human beings, but they are not equal in ability. And that's what we're talking about here where uh, mom and dad have way more experience and understanding and education than the children. Um, and so because of that, parents should have ultimate veto power. And they do. Like I said, they have the responsibility to make that final decision. And we also talked about this before. If you go with the democracy route, if you have more than two kids, you can get outvoted. And all of a sudden, you've got the inmates running the asylum, and you don't want that. Well, Trixie, when we were talking about this, she brought up an, a situation where in her church group, the leaders of of her youth group said, hey, uh, we want to plan activities for this year. Um, let's have a meeting where we discuss um, mm -hmm. what you guys want to do. So you're like, great, they want our ideas mm -hmm. of what to do. And and so this seemed like strategic management, right? Yeah. And and so getting input Trixie, from other people. Trixie sure. got really excited and she wrote down a whole bunch of ideas of things. Well, she's she really, really good about that too. Oh yeah. Uh, things she wanted to learn uh, or service projects she wanted to do and made a whole list. And so did several of the other girls. And they brought them to the meeting and they presented them to the leaders. Hey, I'd like to do this. And uh, oh, we should uh, go on a bike ride here and learn about this and and do this. And and the leaders were like, these are great ideas and, and we'll discuss them. And they never decided on an idea. And instead, the next week, they had another meeting about the ideas. And the next week, they had another meeting about the ideas. And this went on and on. And they never did any of the ideas. And it was the most, Trixie got so frustrated. She's like, one of them needed to step up and make a decision. But they never did. But because nobody ever made a decision, nothing happened. How frustrating. So, so, How frustrating is that yes, too? Where, where, oh. where because they, they knew they couldn't do all the things and not everybody had the same ideas. They were expecting the girls to somehow go, oh, we're just going to do this, this, and this. It, where it, it, nobody stepped up and was in charge and made a final decision. And it was actually, instead of, you, you'd be like, oh, well, that's great. The group is making the decision. It actually created stress. And all these weeks went by where they did nothing. And nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened. Yeah. And so Trixie was very adamant. She's like, somebody has to have the last say. Somebody needs to be in charge. And she's right. And even though you you get the input, it, it's it's great. Your your idea was considered and you brought it to the table, but somebody needs to make the final decision for crying out loud. Right. And so don't think that you're doing a favor 
by not making a final decision as a parent, because it kind of creates the same situation where everything's just kind of in limbo and nobody's making the decision. And that's really stressful. Yeah. So, so no, step up and be the parent. Well, no, think about the anxiety for the kids, knowing, yeah. not knowing what's happening yeah. or what's going or, or what if, the rules are or. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually really stressful for the kids. So, okay. Number 12, should the children and the family have the same level of say as the parents? Why or why not? Again, going back to, you know, these, these family government styles where if you're a dictatorship, you know, people feel frustrated because they never get a say. They don't feel like they're part of a team. Their opinion doesn't matter. They don't get heard. I mean, even if the parents are right, the children never get that. The, the children will never be on board because they feel like they haven't been given the opportunity to express themselves in an open and clear uh, uh, forum for communication. Well, and and with the dictatorship thing, keep in mind that even with business management, there is a time and a place for tactical management, sure. such as emergencies or in situations like where you have a new employee who need, it just, they don't know what they're doing and they just need to be given direction. So right. there's a time and a place for that, but you don't want that to be your main long-term approach to you know, like managing when you're do, when you're doing things a, when you're doing a, a family project yeah you need somebody to be in charge and hey, you're gonna do that you're gonna do that you're gonna do that go yeah it's something we've never done before right. you know you don't but want a should, big discussion but it about like it at a hundred percent of the time you should use that sparingly yeah and it has value um and, and but then the flip side is you know that going back to the democracy where everybody has a say and everybody's vote is equal and it's not no one's like it. Yeah. It goes back to the whole idea, like in a company, if everybody's equal, well, all right, we're thinking about this merger with this other bank. Go get the janitor and see what he says. Like, no, why would why would you involve the janitor in that decision? He doesn't have the education, the understanding, the background, any of that to make an informed decision. So you wouldn't get his opinion. Yeah. So, and so not all decisions go to family family counsel and to the kids like you don't need to involve the kids in decisions that are not they, they don't have the same level of say as mom and dad they should still be able to say it yeah but they don't have the same weight of opinion as the parents do and well, they, well, I, I remember um like we had a situation where we had put our teenagers in a high school and we quickly saw that it was not a good situation. They were not getting a good education. But also there were um, other problems There were the, the quality, um, the caliber of students there. It was, it was having a negative, a very negative influence on our kids. We, as the parents, decided, no, we've, we've got to move, move schools. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard for our teenagers because well, first of all, there was a lot of pushback. It. They didn't see it no. because they had never been to another high school. They had never, they didn't know that they weren't getting a good education. Yeah. How would they, they know? <laughs> how would they know? Yeah. And they didn't know that, you know, that there were better things out there. And we had, they didn't want to change schools. We asked them to trust us. And we said, we know this is hard. How we can, how can we support you? But it was, it was extremely hard for them. Mm -hmm. But later, my son wrote an essay for his English class. They read some story. In his new school. Yeah, at his new school. It was some poem or story about a person who had lived in a cave all their lives and, you know, didn't know what it was like outside the cave. And so couldn't really 
I guess, make a decision or something about that because they had no idea that out out of the cave even existed. Right. And so, and so he likened that to changing, he wrote an essay where he likened that to changing high schools where he had been at this other high school and he thought this was as good as it got. And he had no idea that there was a much, much better situation out there yeah. because he had never been out of the cave. Exactly. And so, so similarly, that's, I like that. that's kind of the, the, sometimes as a parent, you realize that there's a life outside of the cave that maybe your kids are unaware of. <laughs> so, and you know, and having said that though, sometimes there is value in getting your kids opinion because they may present ideas that maybe you didn't, you didn't think of. And we've talked about that before, but I, I'm reminded of that great movie Hoosiers where, you know, it's the, the, it, the guy, the coach really kind of took a dictator role. You're going to do this and this is how it's going to be. And this is how I do things. And, and he kind of ruled with an iron fist. And and he kind of had to do that because remember the townspeople there, they had that meeting and they expected him to do, take all their opinions and kind of let them coach yeah. for him. And he's like, no, I'm the coach. I'm the king. I'm the ruler. And this is how things are going to be. And it worked. It worked really well until. And he knew what he was doing. And he did. He, was, he, he knew exactly. Very competent. Until the final game. And they're at the championship game. And it's the last shot of the game. And they got a few seconds left. And he gets the team together. He's like, okay, here, guys, this is what we're going to do. Um, the, their best player was Jimmy. And the coach said, we're going to use Jimmy as a decoy, and we're going to let this other guy They're take the final. They're going to expect him to yeah. be the one to shoot. But we're going to have this other guy take the final shot. And all his players, they kind of went, uh, and he goes, what, what, what? And right at that moment, something really magical happens where for the first time, really, he listened and the boy, the Jimmy spoke, speaks up and he goes, coach, I'll make it. I'll make the shot. And the coach, he was wise enough to recognize that he was getting input that he hadn't considered. And he went and he's like, okay, wow. All right. We'll go with that. And he, he allowed himself to change his mind by listening to his player. And he had developed that. They developed that, that trust and that, Ability to to he he well by that point his boys had experience they had um, it wasn't a new team being put together uh-huh. and a new coach and all that they had enough experience where it, it was there there was there was that trust there where okay actually uh, you know enough now that I you know to contribute there and where I sh- your input's valuable. And of course, if you've seen the movie, you know that it actually works in their favor. They get the ball to Jimmy. Jimmy makes the winning shot and they win the championship. And it's and it's really cool where because the coach who had been ruling with an iron iron fist up to that point, because he finally listened to the boys and was able to take some of their input, um, it actually made the team even better, even better. Really just a cool moment. Um, okay, so that's number 12. Number 13, who has the final say? I think we've kind of hit on this enough, but just in case we haven't, the king and the queen make decisions together. Now, oh, and we did mention this, though. Mom and dad have to be unified where nothing happens. You don't move forward with a decision. No decisions are finalized until mom and dad both sign off on it. And we, we've talked about this in, in the past where <laughs> when kids, because a lot of times kids will, if mom and dad are split, Kids will use that to their advantage. They'll ask, Dad, can I go to the movies? And Dad says, no. And they'll go ask Mom. Mom, can I go to the movies? 
Mom says, yes. Okay? Uh-oh. All of a sudden, what's happened? Now you've pitted mom and dad against each other because the kid goes to the movies and dad goes to mom and says, hey, why'd you let him go to the movies? I said, no. And then mom and dad are in a fight. The kid got what he wanted. And now mom and dad are split. That's just bad. That's a bad scenario. So no decisions are made unless mom and dad are both on board. And, and this is the rule. If mom says no, the answer is no. If dad says no, the answer is no. If mom says yes, but then dad says no, the answer is still no. If, if dad says yes and mom says no, the answer is still no. The answer is only yes. You only move forward if both mom and dad say yes. And that, that's critical to making sure the family runs and runs smoothly and things are fair. And, and that's it. You know, the, those are all of our thoughts. And those are the, the main questions we asked our, our experts on, you know, how to, how to run family council. And then yeah. our next podcast, we're going to talk about like the nuts and bolts. Yeah, like, we're going to talk about, okay, this is how you put together an agenda. This is, and give examples uh, that are more practical. But this was more kind of like the basic... Uh, the basic principles right. uh, underlying how you would go about a and why would council, why would you do these things and kind of the boundaries yeah. and and philosophies behind it. So the next one will be more nuts and bolts and, uh, and a lot of examples. Yeah, but this was kind of like setting the foundation for that. So and that's it. If you like what you hear in this podcast, please tell your friends. They may want to listen too. We we may share something. A solution or or an example of something that you know they're looking for a, a solution to a problem that they're, they're currently facing and if you have a suggestion for a future podcast go to our website under support and click contact us send us an email and we'll get right on it and that's it for today enjoy some of falcon jasper's awesomely amazing acoustics we'll see you next time